Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was Carol. Oh, bitch. Okay, and we were reminiscing. Whenever I see something, Carol, I swipe. Bye-bye. Ratsville. Ratsville. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was, of course, a clip from this week's Real Housewives of New York, our dear Countess Luann calling former cast member Carol Ratsville. Ratsville. She just kept saying, that bitch. That bitch. Oh, that bitch. Bitch. <laughs> you guys have got my life when she was doing that. I know it was not something we should all be laughing at. However, I would just like to point out that I'm seeing a lot of complaints online, tweets and people on social media saying this season of The Real Houses in New York is terrible. But to that, I say this was television gold in just three seconds. That was enough to sustain me until next week. So I know we're not exactly reaching the heights of previous seasons, but they filmed in pandemic and we still got Countess Luann in a confessional saying, Ratsville. <laughs> that will live on in my head uh, forever, forever, for infinity. That bitch, that bitch, she just kept saying, oh my God, you guys, I left, I laughed so hard, laughed so hard. So I'm very happy with this week's episode of The Real House of New York, and if you're not happy with it, I don't know what to say or do to get you on board, but that's good enough for me. Now, I want to back up. I know you're all expecting a recap of this week's Real Houses in New York and this week's Real Houses of Beverly Hills. However, we're just diving into New York right now because I didn't get the Beverly Hills episode in time in advance, so I haven't even gotten to watch it yet. But I still wanted to leave you guys with an episode. So we uh, are breaking down this week's Real Houses in New York. We'll get to Beverly Hills soon. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a bonus episode. Maybe it'll come out next week. Unclear. We will talk about it eventually because I know I'm going to have lots of thoughts on Crystal versus Sutton, uh, Bamboozled Jane, all the stuff that's going on over there. So I'll get to it when I can. But for now, I had to get you guys an episode. So we're covering Roni, and then I have a fantastic interview with Heather Morris, who was previously on Glee. She's got a new podcast that she's producing called Bystanders. And she also toured with Beyonce, by the way. She was uh, doing Single Ladies uh, Live with Beyonce. She's a dancer. So Heather Moore's interview is coming up, and there's some good juicy stuff in that interview. So I want you guys to listen. Stay tuned and hold on to your seats, or what do they say? Hold on to your hats, because there's some juicy stuff in there. So listen, enjoy, and I'll also try to put that up on YouTube. But for now, let's dive into The Real Houses of New York. If you're interested in that Heather Moore's interview, I'll try to put the timestamp in the episode description so you can skip ahead. But for now, we're got to break down this week's Real Houses of New York, Ratsville. Uh, okay, we got to uh, just start off by finishing up what was happening last week with Sonia Tremont Morgan. She was going nuts about the Wells Fargo comment. She was really losing it. I mean, I was scared. She heard Wells Fargo and she just went nuts. And this week we get the end of that fight. It's just Ramona shouting, get real, get real. And then Sonia yells back at her, you have nothing to rely on. You have fake as friends, uh, fake ass friends. You don't even have Mario. And then Leah chimes in and says she's pulling a Leah in Newport when Sonia throws something. And I'm I'm noticing a little bit of an issue with Leah. Now, here's the thing. I want to give her some grace here because she was filming in a pandemic and her grandmother was dying. 
I get that. Of course, you're not going to be in the right sorts. So I understand. However, this episode was tough to watch, and I'm sure she would feel similarly because it just didn't feel like herself. It didn't feel like the Leah that we know, maybe. And maybe I, 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 I don't, maybe this is the Leah. I don't know. But it was kind of hard to watch. And that one line where she said she's pulling a Leah in Newport, she said in regards to Sonia at the early part of the episode, that's where it kind of clicked to me. And it's starting to feel a little bit like Leah is doing what she thinks we want her to do as a housewife instead of just doing those things naturally. Does that make sense? Now, Ramona Singer, I know people hate Ramona. I did for a brief moment in time, and now I'm back on board. However, Ramona Singer, I think we can all agree that the Ramona that we get on TV, I don't feel like that's an act. I feel like all those things, and Luann, I feel like that's Luann. Sonia Tremont Morgan, that's Sonia. Yes, they are uh, a circus, the three of those, those three amigos. They're a mess. But I do feel like it's natural what they're giving us. And so some of this Leah stuff, I think Leah is very uh, smart and grounded in a lot of ways. But when she comes onto this show, I sometimes feel like she's trying to give us what she thinks is going to make good TV, even the Heather Holla Thompson of it all. You know, I love my mama. I got upset when I saw my hey mama coming back and then she was just treated so poorly uh, through to the lower level. Hey mama. She said, hey mama. And they said, bye mama. And they threw her in the basement. And that was not cool to me. It was all uncool. I didn't like it. And the Leah of it all, the part that bothers me is that like, it felt like Leah was just trying to stir trouble. And it almost felt like this was the kind of stuff that happens off screen a lot. But for some reason, Bravo kept it on screen. Like I imagine on all of these shows, they, they all get together and they decide, how are they going to take someone down? How are they going to screw with someone who's coming into the group? I imagine that happens every episode, once a week when these women are filming these shows. However, they don't normally show it. And so we're seeing Leah bring up the podcast stuff, which if you listen to the podcast with Carol, first of all, I don't think she said anything that was false. I think she had said some stuff about hard drugs. And yes, it was kind of talking shit. So I understand if Lou would be a little pissed about it. But Lou didn't really give a shit about it until Leah riled her all up. And Leah only met her once. And I don't really think that anything she said was like that below the belt. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's wilds of me. But if you really listen to it, she said hard drugs came out, but she doesn't say Luann was like doing coke or anything like that. It just says, maybe I heard it wrong. I only heard a clip. So what do I know? What do I know? But it did feel like Leah was trying to rile them all up, and she just didn't want to like Heather who was coming in. So maybe there's something happening behind the scenes that we don't know between Heather and Leah. But for for what we can see, they met once, and they even showed the flashback. Leah was uh, getting along with Heather. Heather seemed really nice to Leah in that little flashback when they met at Dorinda's house. Ah, I miss Dorinda. I miss Dorinda. She made it nice, you guys. Everyone wanted Dorinda gone. I miss that woman. God, I miss her. Um, But Dorinda's gone. We saw Leah and Heather meet at Dorinda's house, and now, now there's a big feud, too. Leah posted on her Instagram last night something about Ratsville, and uh, she was blocked by Ratsville, and now there's a big feud for people who aren't even on the show. Now I'm like, get Carol back in there. We need her back in the game to see what's going on here. There's all these fireworks happening off screen. I need them on screen. I need them on screen. Speaking of Heather's return, I know I'm sort of jumping all over the place, but there was something that Ebony pointed out that I think is very, uh, very uh, precise, or what's the word I'm looking for? Very important when it comes to these shows. Ebony said when she met Heather... Heather asked her a lot of questions about herself, and she said, none of the other women ever asked me questions about me. 
Now, that was very astute. That's the word I'm looking for, astute, because my problem with Roni, with the current cast that we have, is that no one asks them other people questions about other people. So when we had people like Carol, or even Dorinda, or Bethany, or Heather, those people, although they still wanted to have their storylines out there, they would still ask other people to help drive the other storylines forward. If that makes sense. So let's say Sonia Tremont Morgan's storyline is that she misses her husband. People like Heather, Carol, Dorinda, they would ask Sonia Morgan about, like, why are you feeling this way? What's going on? The current cast isn't doing that because the current cast is only worried about their own storylines. So Luann is just thinking about Garth. So Luann's not going to sit down Sonia and say, okay, what's really going on here? Why are you acting this way? And so we can't get Sonia's storyline moving forward at all, even though we're on kind of a, a, a circus wheel or whatever they call it uh, with Sonia Morgan. I do think you need someone asking her the question so it can move e- even just inch forward a little bit. And same with Ramona. We need people asking Ramona questions. Who are you dating now? What's going on in your life? How are you feeling with Avery? Whatever it is. Luann, we need someone asking about Garth. No one's asking her any questions about Garth. She's speaking about Garth because she's getting her storyline out, but we need someone to ask the questions to move it forward. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I had some B12. You guys, you know B12? It's like a um, a vitamin. I had like little droplets of it, and I feel nuts. <laughs> I feel a little bit crazy. I do. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I had to play all the sound effects. Okay. So I am feeling a little bit nuts, but that's what I really feel is like we need someone to move these storylines forward. And that's why I was excited for Heather's return because she's a more stable presence and she's interested in other people besides herself. Whereas a lot of the cast members now, they're interested in getting their own stuff forward. So it nothing moves. It all just hits a dead end. And I feel like that's what we're feeling. Okay, so where are we at with the uh, storylines? Ramona does eventually apologize to Sonia. Sonia's just a mess. She's still got the price tag on her shirt. I don't know how she woke up in the next day. I mean, Sonia woke up fine, fresh as a daisy. I would be in bed for three days straight if I uh, got as drunk as Sonia did at that restaurant. Don't understand. Doesn't make sense to me. I'm not a doctor, but I'd like to get one on the line to figure out how these women are doing it because it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, what else? Oh, Lou is practicing the baton. I wrote a bunch of question marks in my notes. She's pa- practicing the baton. She was twirling it. What the fuck was she doing in her room? Did anyone catch this? It was a very quick moment. She was just twirling the baton as if she was in a high school talent show or something. She brought it with her. Why the fuck did she bring her baton on this trip? Is there something I'm missing? Did they say they're going to do a talent show? Did Luann say she's going to show off her baton twirling skills? Is she using it in the bedroom with Garth? Why is that baton in her bag? Her overnight bag for weekend getaway. What the fuck was that? What the fuck? The baton. I didn't even get it. She's just twirling the baton. I know you're, you're expecting me to move on from Luann and the baton, but I'm not going to because I don't understand why she had it. Sit back, relax, because we got to talk about this baton. What does it mean? Did she used to twirl the baton in high school? Was she a baton twirler in college when she was a nurse? Did she do it on the side? What's the tea, Luann? I need to know about the baton twirling. She just was doing it. And did the producers say, hey, pick up that baton? Or I imagine like one of the producers, the camera people was like, hey, Lou, we saw a baton in your overnight bag. Why did you have it? And then she pulls it out and she starts twirling it and they film her. I don't fucking get it. Does she bring it everywhere she goes, every vacation? 
Uh, did she bring it? Remember when she went to uh, jail or whatever? Did she bring the that with her? Do they allow anyone to have that? I don't think so. Did they confiscate her old baton? What's going on? Does she take it with her when she goes to Miami Beach or Florida, where the fuck she goes? They all get arrested in Florida. Does she bring it with her? What's going on? Why does she just have a baton in her overnight bag? I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, moving on. Meanwhile, Ebony calls her mom Gloria, and apparently uh, the mom Gloria wants Ebony to, um, I don't know how else to put this, excuse my language, but uh, kill the mother. Um, She wants to uh, make the choice, I should say. Wait, I'm trying to understand my notes. So Gloria wants Ebony to make the decision to end the mother's life because the mom doesn't, and I understood that, Gloria. I did. I wouldn't want that on me. Somebody's in a coma or something. I don't want the pressure of having to uh, make the decision to cut someone's life short, even if they aren't living a great quality of life. That's too much pressure. So, of course, Gloria's like, hey, Ebony, you do it. You fucking do it. I get that, Gloria. I love her. I want to know more about this Gloria woman. Loving her. Loving her. So then Sonia and Ramona wake up. Sonia asks what happened. She doesn't remember what happens. Meanwhile, they're moisturizing. I think it was Ramona's skincare as they're talking. Ramona always knows how to do that product placement. She does. She's been on TV 13 years or something. I saw somebody tweet, uh, Luann and Ramona have been on television for more episodes than the cast of Friends. So just let that sink in. (laughs) Wow. Let that sink in. Um, So let's see. Sonia says that Garth is what's driving her nuts, which is not really... Sonia, we need you to get... Make sense. We need Sonia to make sense and just get it together. She don't got it together. We're rooting for you, Sonia. So then we cut to Ramona planning this Audrey Hepburn um, thing. She's talking to someone. Leah was being a lot. Now, Leah got mad because Ramona kind of shooed her away. And yes, it was a little inappropriate that she got shooed away, but Ramona was having a private conversation, and Leah just blows up about it. She says to Michelle... Ramona's hospitality assistant. She says, how do you work for Mona? She's a dumb fucking bitch. She says that. That was her exact words. And then she's still talking about the COVID test. She's like, she's a psychopath. She lies about COVID tests. And again, I know this was what was happening at the time, but like, I just can't even hear these things about Ramona and the COVID test or the plasma. I don't care. It's too much. I don't even want to, I don't give a shit. And I know I should give a shit. I get that. That's on me. But I don't want to hear it. It's, Leah keeps bringing up the plasma and the COVID test, and I just, I can't hear it. It's like, I don't know. Is it a trigger for me? Maybe so. Um, is it just me, though? Like, I don't want to hear about the COVID on these shows. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, then Garth arrives. Did he, like, almost step in poop on the thing? There was, like, poop on the front door. It was, like, just poop there. I don't know if it was Marley's or Coco's or Sonia's. We don't know. But there was poop on the front door. And Garth just entered. No one cleaned up the poop. Don't know again. Don't know whose it was. I'd imagine Sonia. You know, she was pretty drunk the night before. Who knows? She might have defecated on the front door. Unclear, but I believe it was there. And then uh, Sonia does say, "This is the Sonia we love." She says in her confessional, "Jesus, I'm happy for Luann. She found love or a big dick or whatever." And look, Ramona's really happy for Garth, and I just think that she must be getting dicked pretty good. Do you know what I mean? Excuse my language, but. I don't expect Ramona to be this nice to Luann when she's getting this big, tall rugby player. So I don't quite get that. However, Garth arrives and they do all work out. And Luann, she's like, take off your mask. Everyone wants to see your face. You know, she wants to show him off. She's what they call like peacocking, right? Like where you just, she's trying to show off. And I get that. I get that. 
Um, meanwhile, Ebony's like, she's not working out. She's not interested in doing this. Sonia doesn't even want to either, but she goes outside and she's sort of doing planks. It was really funny to me. Um, but Ebony, she goes and does hair and makeup with Leah. And you guys, what the fuck was that? Did you guys catch those people in hazmat suits doing their hair and makeup? Now, I've been COVID safe this whole uh, this whole pandemic. However, seeing these people, I was like, was I doing it wrong? They were covered head to toe. I thought they were about to operate on Ebony and Leah. Instead, they were doing their hair and makeup. I was like, what are these fucking doctors doing in? They're giving Ebony her, uh, her rouge on her face. Like, what was going on there? It was like they full hazmat suits. Again, glad they're taking precaution. But I haven't seen that level of precaution on these shows. They look like those Monsters, Inc. people who collect the laughs or the scares. You know, those people when they... When they something comes in, I don't remember exactly the rules of Monsters Inc., but I do remember there were people in like or monsters in hazmat suits. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Monsters Inc., that movie with Boo, you know the Pixar film. That's cinema, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know what cinema is, you check out a Pixar picture because Monsters Inc., top notch. And there were these monsters in hazmat suits when there was like a sock or something that come in. I think at one point in Monsters, Inc., they were, like, collecting scares. And then the moral of the movie is they realize, like, laughs give more energy than scares. That's cinema. I'm sorry to take a little detour here, but you guys, that's what movie making is. I just, if anyone out there is an aspiring filmmaker, watch Monsters, Inc. That's where it's at. Um, I definitely shouldn't be taking those B12 droplets anymore. (laughs) I, I feel like nuts. Um, okay, where are we at here? Oh, so uh, Garth, they go work out, whatever. And Leah decides to do a vow of silence, you guys. <sighs> That's how I feel about that. She did a vow of silence. That's the kind of thing that just feels like she's doing something for the TV show, you know? And I love Leah on the show. I just want the, I don't know, the Leah we had last season. It just feels like we're getting a different version of Leah. So I don't know. I know maybe it'll be different. It did make me laugh, though, when Ramona uh, said in regards to Leah being quiet, she said, You can't talk. You okay? Give it laryngitis? No, she's not <laughs> strategy. Laryngitis. <laughs> laryngitis. What you got, laryngitis? Love that. Uh, then we cut to the bus ride. We're doing a lot of limo ride, bus ride work in this episode. Uh, Luann, of course, does a callback to her question mark, question mark. And there's even a Tom flashback because Luann is snapping at Sonia. She's saying, he married me. Uh, you always, uh, are mad about the men, but he married me. He fucked you for one night. He didn't marry you. And Ebony stuck up for Sonia, and she had some good points. She said, look, you're treating Sonia, she's got low self-esteem, and you're you're giving her reason to have low self-esteem because you're saying guys only want to sleep with her. And so I like that she stuck up for her. And Luann offered an olive branch, a very classy, wonderful olive branch. She said, if we decide to have a threesome, uh, me and Garth, we'll call you first. And that was beautiful to me. That was beautiful to me. Uh, then no one really is engaging in Leah's silence. Like nobody's even giving a shit on the whole bus ride there. It's just like everyone's ignoring it. And then eventually Leah decides like, okay, we're going to talk now. And they learn about oysters, which again, enough for me for the week. Just seeing Ramona learn about oysters. I loved it. So Leah says she's nervous about Heather. They keep leading up to uh, Heather's return. Leah even made a mama joke, but I was like a mama joke, you know? She don't like Heather, but she made a mama joke. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. 
I saw some people weren't happy about how this returned, but you guys, I was happy to see it. You know, I love my Hala Thompson. Um, then Heather does arrive. She's got a confessional, which I wasn't expecting. She's sent to the lower level, but she was being nice to everyone. And everyone gets dressed in Aubrey Hepburn or Audrey Hepburn. I keep getting that screwed up. Um, but I don't really understand why everyone's being mean to Heather because I really do think she's genuinely a nice person, but maybe I'm totally off base. But to me, she seems like a nice human being and she was just honest on the podcast. I know I keep saying that, but whatever. Ebony points out about the questions Heather's asking, which I like. Uh, and then Luann asks about podcasts. So Luann is the one who brings it up. She's like, so you got a podcast? And then everyone goes in on Heather about the podcast. She said, oh, just launch. Luann says, I've been on your podcast before. And then that's when it all goes to shit. And they call out Heather what she said. And Heather was like, yeah, I said that. Oh, my God, I got chills when she said that. She's like, yeah, that's true. And then that's all we need. Luann gets over it right away. What do they always say? Luann is Teflon. She heard it. Heather said, yeah, I said it. And then we move on. And that's what I like the Roni women for. I do. Uh, and also, did you notice when it was talked about the hard drugs, uh, Luann didn't disagree that hard drugs were brought out on that trip that was talked about on the podcast, you guys. She didn't disagree. She did not say, like, that's not true, I don't think. She didn't disagree. Meanwhile, Ramona was uh, with Eli talking about shots. Ramona was like, well, okay, some of them can't have shots. This one can have a shot. This one can't. And so not everyone can have the shots. She does take a shot, and she goes, Wow. 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 So that was good. And then uh, let they all make up, and it's awkward. Uh, Leah says, and I quote, if a guy doesn't eat your ass, uh, he's not a real man. And so, look, this is a breakfast at Tiffany's party, and Leah's talking about rim jobs. So Ramona eventually leaves the table. She says, I still have elegance in class. And uh, the party continues. Did you catch this? So the episode ends, and there's an ebony voiceover that says, the party continues on the next episode of Roni. Ah, uh, that was new. Normally they do it to be continued or something, but instead we got the party continues on the next episode of Roni. It felt very soap opera to me in the best of ways. So I love that. So you guys, this was this week's episode. They're getting a hundred episodes out of this weekend getaway. I know they said it was like five days, but still for five days away to get this much content out of it is truly astonishing. Even if you're not enjoying this season of Roni, I just would like to uh, let you all take a step back and look at this and see how much content they're getting out of five-day uh, vacation. It's unheard of in the television landscape. Not that I'm some expert, but I do know enough about television production that in scripted and non-scripted, you do not get multiple episodes like this out of a five-day vacation. It's unheard of. So to that, I salute them. And again, I would just like to point out this clip of Luann. Who was the guest? It was Carol. Oh, bitch. Okay, and we were Can't reminiscing. Whenever I see something Carol, I swipe. Bye-bye. Ratsville. Ratsville. Oh, bitch. I can't stand that bitch. <laughs> I'll never forget Ratsville my whole life. It reminds me of Ratatouille, another Pixar film that I encourage you all to watch, a classic cinema. Um, between Ratatouille, Monsters, Inc., and this episode of Roni, we have all we need from the television film landscape. In my eyes. Somebody call AFI. Where's James Lipton? Get him on the line. Because that's all we need. Next week on Roni, we have the Naked Man. We have a guitar player. Some Ebony versus Lou. Leah calls everyone a hoe. And the party continues. And I, for one, cannot wait for the party to continue. Next week 
on The Real Houses of New York. Now, I do want to just uh, briefly say that we'll get to Beverly Hills. Again, I know I mentioned it. We'll get to it when we can. I don't know when that'll be. I'm doing my best here on everything iconic. My plan this week was to do Roni and Beverly Hills together, and I didn't get the episode of Beverly Hills. So uh, I'm going to have to watch it when it airs, and uh, we'll get to the recap as soon as I can. Uh, unclear of when that be. Just subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Get our merch at everythingiconic.store. Uh, and with all of that said, I hope you guys stick around for this chat with Heather Morris. He's got a new podcast called Bystanders. We talk about some Glee stuff. We talk about Beyonce, Britney Spears, lots of good stuff. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll take a commercial break and then we'll talk to Heather Morris. And I'll leave you guys with this chat. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Bye bye. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. I'm here with the lovely and talented Heather Morris. Now, Heather, you don't know this, but we, or I'm sure you don't remember, but we met years ago on the set of Go Go Boy Interrupted, which was a web series you did with our mutual friend, I think, Jimmy Fowley. I was yes. in one episode of season two and and you were lovely. Were we in the same episode? Yeah, I think um, it was like a dodgeball scene. I was just in Oh my one. God. Do you remember yeah, that? I remember that so vividly. Yes. Yeah. I cannot believe that. Yeah, I remember reaching out to Jimmy because I saw 
I saw the um, the show online and I was pregnant at the time. And obviously it wasn't really working because nobody's going to hire a fully pregnant woman. <laughs> I was like, I love your show. I would love to make a cameo if that's okay. It was very forward of me, but I just loved it so much. Yeah. I remember we were all really excited because of course we were all fans of Glee and then uh, you came on and you were so, so sweet and so lovely. Oh, so, um, I love that you know him. I want to talk about your new podcast, Bystanders, which is a scripted show you're producing. There's a lot of Glee people in it. Jane Lynch, Kristen Chenoweth, uh, plus people like uh, Ed Westwick is in it. The first two episodes are out now. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, so it's the Bystanders uh, podcast. Um, it is a true co- true crime, dark comedy, uh, scripted drama audio drama, if you will. There's so many different titles. Um, and it, it, it reminds us of this like old 1940s radio show because we have this incredible composition of music in there um, along with the acting. Um, it's just super immersive, very fun. The sound effects took just a, a great amount of time. We have, like you said, these great actors. Jane Lynch is our narrator. Um, Michael Hitchcock was also in Glee as well, but he is a great comedic actor. Um, he was in Best in Show and so many other great things with Christopher Guest. He's a Groundlings guy too. That's where I know Jimmy from. And yeah, Michael was, uh, he's brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, he's brilliant. We have Oscar Nunez, who I actually did a Hallmark film with many, many, many years ago. And um, he just still kept in contact. And I was so lucky that he said yes. And, And most of these actors were people that I just reached out to. And I was like, hey, this is the project. Um, hopefully fingers crossed will you do this. And like, even with Kristen reaching out to her and asking her, and they were so gracious to just say, yeah, of course. And I mean, this is a pandemic that we are recording in. Um, so it was something for these actors that they could get their, their, um, artistic talents out. So talk to me a little bit about producing. Was it nice? Do you like being in charge a little bit more than just on the acting side of things where you just read you know, read the lines. I do. I, I do. And it's not so much the feeling of like, I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you to do this. And I'm going to tell you to do this. It's like, it's almost to me, the same feeling as acting or dancing where I'm being really creative because we started this from the ground up with the scripts. It started as a movie. And then Ash and Jacqueline, who are my partners, my producing partners, they wrote and directed. Um, we turned this into this scripted podcast. I mean, essentially it was like, they told me the story, um, which is based on the Kitty Genevieve story from the 1980s. And I was just hooked on the idea. Um, And so they, from there, I was like trying to pitch it. Like I called Ash one day. I'm like, Hey, I really think we can make this a scripted podcast and it could be really successful. And they just were like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, So it's just been, such a cool journey to discover so many new things that I didn't know before and that I had no idea what I was doing as a producer, but people allowed me to make those mistakes and um, just continue to make this awesome podcast. Heather, you mentioned dancing and acting, and I got to run through some of your career stuff. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but I want to okay. run through like a few of your career achievements uh, starting with dancing. Now you were one of Beyonce's dancers uh, during the Beyonce Experience Tour. Uh, you performed Single Ladies at the AMAs. The final TRL. What? That's. Did I read that correctly? Was it the, the final? Final TRL. That's I was like in tears while I was doing it. I was like, I can't believe this is ending. This is the best show in the world. <laughs> okay, talk to me about Beyonce. I want to know everything. 
um, I mean, she was just a dream. Like she was so professional to work with every time uh, she came into the room to work with us, which was kind of far and few between in the beginning stages because she is off doing her Beyonce thing, um, the genius that she is. And so the limited time we got with her, she was so gracious, so sweet, would always address us and say hi, and then would come in and work and was so particular and not in like a, not in like an aggressive or mean way, but particular in like, this is how this is going to happen. Let's get this done. Um, And I really think now, like looking back on that, it was a great example of like what I wanted to be as a creator or um, somebody who is in quote unquote charge. Uh, She was just so... So cool and so flipping talented. And like, what an iconic. Okay, so the single ladies, though, like, I mean, out of all the dancing, that's such an iconic dance number. Right. Well, so, like, when I got asked to do that, I was known as the, like, primary white dancer on this on this tour with the, with Beyonce. And then her other dancer was a black dancer and I was the white dancer. So I was just so nervous that I wasn't going to do this dance justice um, as this, like, you know, this basic white girl. And I didn't want to be judged by all these people that like, she does not deserve to be on that stage. So I just felt so much pressure that I was not enough for this dance. Um, and I was so grateful for uh, the choreographer Jaquel, um, who is, has been working with her for many years, to just be so open and kind with me, and like gave me the space to be myself and like allow me to dance and do my thing. Um, so yeah, Amazing. it was really scary and awesome, though. Just especially on on all those stages with Jay Z and Oprah and whomever and the audience watching us. Didn't you also perform? with Beyonce and Tina Turner together. Yes. I mean, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know that's exactly. That's what went through. I was like, wait, what? Did you see what? the Tina documentary um, on HBO max? No. Oh my God. You have to watch another. It's so good. It's so okay. good. I think it's okay. HBO max. Yeah. Well, we are just getting HBO max because the friends reunion is coming on. And before that, you know, I'm super frugal. So I just don't, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't well, you aware. have to watch the to Tina be. documentary because it's like mind blowing and what she achieved at such a late sort of stage in life, which not that it's old, but she achieved a lot of her musical success at an age where uh, oftentimes, unfortunately, in the pop music industry, um, they're not as kind to older performers. People say they way. age out. Yeah. But Tina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tina's I'll have to give that a look. Defies sure. the odds. Uh, okay, I want to talk a little about Glee because I watched every single episode. I went down with that ship, uh, Heather. I watched every <laughs> single The original episode. ship or the newer ship? Because there's some ships starting uh, in quarantine era. Oh, you, new people are watching it, right? Are, is new that people. what you're referring so to? So many yeah, new yeah. people. Yeah. No, I watch it when it was on. Like every okay. episode, even like up to the finale, I watch every single one. Oh, really? Yeah, every single, every single one. Even the, there was a lot that wasn't so great, Heather, but I stuck through it. And <laughs> I appreciate the honesty because... <laughs> Yes, I, I, I felt that. I didn't want to let the fans down. There was great and there was not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're all being honest here. Yeah. I want to talk about the Britney stuff uh, specifically because you did uh, the Britney Spears, I should say. There's a clip that I just had re-seen of you doing the Me Against the Music, which is so, I I mean, I hate to keep using that word, but so iconic. And you you were amazing in it. What sticks out to you in terms of like the Britney Spears of it all? Because you did a few Britney numbers. Like, is there one particular memory from that sort of pocket of Glee that you remember? 
I just remember like my inner child was screaming with excitement when this happened because I have that vivid, like just that one second mo- like moment where I got the, the CD tape of Britney Spears with the, the pink cover and her cute little face. I was 12 years old and listening it listening to it at a friend's sleepover and we were just obsessed and in love with this it was like it was like us you know she spoke as a, a young a young girl and um so then getting to recreate that was so exciting but also on the flip side of that like having to be very professional about it all because i was going to meet her i had met her previously i had i had actually auditioned for her i think like a year before that to do her um, circus tour and I actually booked it, but I wasn't able to do it because I was doing single ladies. So I don't know. It was very weird and surreal that like I, I was like going to work with her and then I didn't. And then it came back in such a big epic way that I couldn't have like dreamt of. That's amazing. I remember where I first was when I saw the baby one more time video, it was on a channel, which I don't know if it still exists. It was much music. Uh, there was a station. I remember them huh. playing it like twice in a row. And I was like in love with her. I love her. Yeah. Uh, yes. Did you see her too. documentary? The uh, Absolutely. I did. I got to ask you, it? what did you think? Yeah. What did you think of it? It was something everybody knew. I mean, we all knew like knew something shady was going on. And even the, her on set, like you could tell that she had been like wrapped in this like special force um, to keep her from, I don't know, harming herself or whatever was going on with her at the time. Um, but it was, it was almost eerie. And then, so watching the documentary, it just like affirmed all of the things that I thought about what was going on. And it also makes us all sick and, and enraged that it's continuous continuing to happen to a grown woman. Um, and nobody's really sticking up for her, you know, but then like, okay, do you feel bad? Like, was I a part of this culture that knocked her down? Like, am I the person that did that? Did I contribute to that? I know it's weird looking back, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people on the show and oftentimes I'm, I'm most fascinated by looking through the, the pop culture of the early 2000s through the lens of now and the way we consume culture. I think all of us, uh, you know, I remember being on blogs and like refreshing them 2004, 2003, uh, and just uh, absorbing all of those images of these people getting Starbucks. And I remember there was a while where it was like a thing every time these young women would step out of a limousine and it was like, oh, they're flashing their underwear again. And I think back on that, it's like, they weren't flashing their underwear. They were getting no. out of a car. And it's like- And there was a camera in front of them. It became, I mean, looking back through it now, it's, uh, of course, I think we hopefully all feel differently, but yeah, it's it's so upsetting. And unfortunately, I think people like Brittany were the victims of that culture and, right. and, and still she are. deserves justice. Yeah. Yeah. Free Brittany. Uh, I love her so much. I just want everything good for her. Like she's so, I, you do know, too. She, I want everything good for her. Um, okay. What was, you guys did a bunch of crazy live performances on Glee, like for talk shows and uh, all sorts of stuff. Was there one that sticks out in your mind as being most memorable? I remember doing Oprah. We were as a cast on Oprah and I was out of my mind, terrified. (laughs) And uh, they also wanted us to sing live. And so I don't know if you know, um, I'm a dancer. (laughs) And so I'm not like a quote unquote singer like everybody else. I was hired to be a dancer. 
Yes, I did chorus growing up. I stopped doing it once I went to high school and I regret that till this day. But um, when we went to do Oprah, they're like, you're going to be singing live. And I was like, holy shit, I have one line. I better not fuck this up. I was so scared. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that nobody heard anything I said because people were screaming and also like they probably just muted my mic a little bit, but um, it was really exciting to be on that stage and like to be next to Oprah in, in her like godly presence. (laughs) Sure. Sure. What's it like coming down from like the glee craziness? Because I imagine it was such a whirlwind. I mean, you guys were doing all sorts of appearances, but also I imagine the workload of just doing the show with all of the singing, dancing and all of that stuff was, was very heavy. So what's it like when the show ends and you're coming down from that, uh, like emotionally, mentally, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have been very honest about my journey in a lot of, um, interviews. Um, just where I was coming from at that time, I started, uh, to push myself away during the show because I was, um, I was so overloaded and so overstimulated. Um, and I wasn't seeking any help or therapy at the time, but I unconsciously just started separating myself. I, um, I started a family with my husband. Um, we moved out of the city. I was just so overwhelmed and almost terrified because I didn't like the attention and the fame of it all, but I just wasn't quite, there mentally with what was happening internally. Um, and so I kind of unconsciously did that. And so I, I know it was very weird for like the producers and the writers and all the actors as well for that to happen. And then I started to come back to it and really gain the love back. Um, and, and then after everything was done, I mean, it's like, okay, well now what, like, what do I do now? Oh, I have to actually like work really hard and audition for a lot of things um, going up against a lot of really big names. And I had never, I don't know if you know this, but I didn't audition for the show. I like got the job because I was a good dancer. So I had never been in the audition world before as an actor. I'd only been auditioning as a dancer, totally different thing. Um, And I bombed so many auditions as an actress because I'm like, Oh, I've been on TV. I know what I'm doing. Uh, And audition world is just a whole different beast Um, it's a nightmare it's crazy so yeah it's just like rediscovering like what my role is in this am I necessarily the actress that I think I am Um, I'm finding love for producing now and still teaching dance it's like finding where I fit in in this entertainment world did I read you also were on So You Think You Can Dance? Did I read I, that correctly? I, yes, I auditioned okay. for season two. I got top 40 and then I didn't make it on. Uh, my, my best friend, Ben, who I auditioned with, made it on. He got top 20. What's your favorite dance? Is there one dance that sticks out to you or or one music video or something that, I mean, you're an expert in that field. So like, is there, I always think of the Janet Jackson If video. That was so Yes, mind-blowing to me as a, a kid, but is there one or, or a couple that sort of stick out to you? I think you just gave me chills because I that is my favorite, my so favorite good. music Isn't it video. Isn't the best? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. The that I can't Yep. She did on the VMAs. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I got to ask this question. Just Tell me to fuck off if it's inappropriate. But <laughs> last summer, there was all this stuff about Leah Michelle on the, uh, and people were 
were relaying their experiences with her on the set specifically of Glee and some other projects as well. And you had put out something that uh, I, I don't want to misquote, but something along the lines of like, yes, she wasn't great to work with, but we also should have called it out or, or, or something along yeah. those lines. And I wonder if you could maybe just uh, elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I I remember getting so much shade because people were like, this is so fucking cryptic. Like, why don't you just go out and say it? And I'm like, guys, she's pregnant and all this stuff is going around. And I, it, it's true. And, and I, I don't know if maybe we were victims of, of bullying and, and that's a t- typical victim thing to do is to blame yourself, which is people were saying. But it also is very true. And the only person who was honest about it was Naya. And it was something that was very hush-hush on set. Um, and the, now you see all these these things coming out with, with these bigger names um, who were very disrespectful and mistreated a lot of people and people allowed it to happen. And it's like, we we absolutely could have stepped up and gone to the Fox execs and, and said how we felt about the situation and nobody really did. And so now we are living in a culture where it's acceptable to go do things like that. Whereas I think many people were very scared. I know genuinely I didn't feel like it was my place and I don't know why, because I was a cast member just like everybody else. And we all deserve to feel comfortable on a set. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but it. Yeah, no, it does. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. And I wonder, was there a specific instance or was it always just uh, sort of an elephant in the room? I think it was the elephant in the room. You yeah. know, like we all got close with Leah at certain points and then we all weren't as close with her. And so there's that human element to it, to understanding who this person is, growing with that person. Um, seeing her try to become better uh, and, you know, taking care of herself after Corey passed, um, you know, it was just the elephant in the room. Right. Uh, have you guys heard from her since all of that I stuff? Haven't, no, but I always wish her the best of luck. And I know she has that little one at home. So yeah. just taking care of her. You mentioned Naya and the two of you were such a powerhouse duo. And as a gay man, I remember that storyline specifically just being so important as well as Kurt's storyline too. And in a lot of ways, Glee in those early seasons gave me um, a language to talk to my father because he was in Ohio and which is where the show was set. Yeah, And I had moved away at that point, but I had just come out and he was watching the show. And so he had sort of a language for um, a lot of LGBTQ stuff that I don't think he would have had if it weren't for your show. Uh, and do you, you must hear from a lot of people who, who that storyline really impacted. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I get so many messages and uh, cameos. I don't know if you know what a cameo is, but I'm sure you're on it. Maybe you are um, yeah. just people really thanking me for that tool and thanking me for what I represented in their life. And even now, people who are uh, of this newer generation of TikTok and all that stuff, um, still coming to me and saying, I just started Glee over quarantine. Thank you so much for what you stood for and what you and Naya stood for. Um, you've given me the courage to come out to my parents. Today's the day that I came out to them. And they were so accepting, or I've heard not so great stories, but still we we gave so much hope to so many people that, you know, that's not the end. 
um, just as you saw with, with Santana's character, it's not the end. If somebody doesn't accept you, you know, you have to accept yourself first. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys were amazing and I, I'm sorry for your loss with Naya. I mean, Thank she you. was, she was my favorite character on the show and she was just so great. Uh, she was a powerhouse. Think about her every day. Yeah. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Heather, okay, so tell everyone the podcast is available, Spotify, Apple, all of the places, Apple, right? Stitcher, all the places. We also have an after show called Standing By, and it's Standing By with every actor that was on the show. We have that as our guest each week, so that airs every Thursday. Um, the actual episodes air every Tuesday. Um, and then on Thursdays, this coming Thursday, we have Jane Lynch, and we will have Kristen Chenoweth. We'll have Oscar Nunez talking about their careers uh, best in show working with uh, dogs. Um, is that not the funniest fucking movie ever? Best in show. It it's just so hysterical. The most hysteric. <laughs> I can watch it over and over and never stop laughing. Have you seen the other uh, waiting for Guffman? Cause Michael is also hysterical in this movie called waiting for Guffman. You I, have to I watch feel it. Like I started to watch it and then I didn't many years ago. And I don't know why I never continued it. I wanted to see mascots. Did you see mascots? I did. Yes. Yes. It's oh, good okay. to me. It's to, it, to me. It's really good, but it's not um, quite up there. Waiting for Guffman is my favorite. And then I also love Catherine O'Hara in For Your Consideration, which is another Christopher Guest movie. She's like brilliant in it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I need to watch all those. Heather, I got to um, ask you. Just, a, a, oh, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just cannot wait for you guys to listen to this podcast. Um, it just, it gets me so excited. And um, our music, like I said, is just so incredible. I can't wait to listen. Bystanders. Now, quick lightning round of questions. I ask all of my guests this favorite Mariah Carey song. Oh, um, all I want for Christmas. Duh. If you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? Oh, shit. I have to say my husband. 
have to be famous? What, it has like to be a, like an actor, musician, or someone. Ugh, I'm like super I'm bad at pop culture. <laughs> I'm like ter- I don't I don't pay attention to anything except for like Law and Order SVU. Okay, so maybe Agent, what's his name? What's there you the, go. What's the actor's name? Um, Michael, um, not um, Christopher Maloney. Yep, Christopher Maloney. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Top Great one. answer. He's gorgeous. Yep. Uh, favorite Glee performance. Favorite Glee performance. Ooh. I would say Valerie. I was so, so excited when I came out. Uh, was there a song on Glee that you wanted to do, but that you couldn't because of rights issues or something like that? Mm. Oh, there's many. I always felt like we should have uh, touched on some country music, but um, that's a whole different story. Uh I I don't know if you know this, but I was supposed to do Dancing on My Own by Robin. And it is available to listen to, but they cut the performance on the show because of timing and money. And I was so disappointed because it is the song that speaks to my soul. Genuinely. So like I listen to this still to this day. And I, I was so bummed I didn't get to do it. It's so good. Heather, I can't wait to listen to Bystanders. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know I got to let you go, but uh, this was such a pleasure and a delight. And uh, we look forward to checking out Bystanders on Apple, Spotify, wherever we get our podcasts and the after show. Yes. Or you can go to www.thebystanderspodcast.com and you can listen there. And father, follow Heather on social media. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Thank you. Yes. I was just listening to you before we were doing this and uh, you're, you have a beautiful tone. Like I love, oh, thank you. I, I, I really like listening to your voice. <laughs> thank you. That means so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah.